Well, good afternoon, almost evening, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. And hope everybody had a great week. Uh, we're, we have flipped the calendar over to August, and we can start to see that football is coming soon. I'm real excited uh, about uh, this month of August for, for our podcast. We are going to be doing um, the official Chris Carpenter Show preview for um, college football. That'll be coming up on August the 20th. Um, I'm doing it that weekend because the 27th is officially when college football starts. And then Labor Day weekend, we are going to do the official NFL preview of the Chris Carpenter Show. I will remind you that last year I did predict the Los Angeles Rams were going to the Super Bowl. Now, Full disclosure, I predicted a Rams-Bills Super Bowl with the Bills winning, um, so I, I didn't get all of it accurately right, but uh, did get the Rams correct. I stayed on the Rams bandwagon pretty much the entire year um, going into the playoffs. I even predicted they would do that. So um, let's see if I can uh, get get a little bit more accurate this year. Um, so tune in to, to those um, podcasts. Um, there is not a lot of sports news this week. We're going to be covering. Um, it's kind of the calm before the storm. Um, you know, football has officially started. High school football two a days started on Monday. So, if you're a high school football player, high school football fan, we're almost to the Friday night lights. You know, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Coach Eric Taylor. You know, and uh, college football uh, tech started their fall camp on Friday. That was preceded by media days on Thursday. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but, uh, you know, there's not been a lot of big, big news. And I'll be honest with you, I did not watch the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. I'll be real honest with you. I am not a huge preseason uh, NFL watcher. It's just just not my thing. Um, mostly, it's because it it doesn't matter. <laughs> Most of the time, you know, your starters don't play a whole lot, which is a good thing, by the way, that the starters don't play a whole lot. Um, but it's just, yeah, not not my thing, you know. So I may try and catch a little bit of the Cowboys and Chiefs this year before preseason, but probably not a whole lot. So I am looking forward to Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks uh, starts. Up on Tuesday, it will be this year. It's going to be the Detroit Lions. That should be fun. And then in season, which they started this last year, they're doing an in season on the Arizona Cardinals, which based on everything that's happened the last few weeks there could be really, really entertaining. So but let's jump into our news for this week. I've got a couple of news items. We're going to talk a little bit about tech football. They got a new commitment Little nugget of conference realignment, and then we're going to jump into listener questions, and then we will end with the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. So, like I said earlier, um, football is starting up. Texas Tech had their official media day on Thursday. Um, You had uh, Joey McGuire. You had all the quarterbacks were available, some of the other players as well, and, you know, not a lot of big news came out of the media day. 
you know, which which is good. You you don't want to have you want to have the least amount of off the field news as you can. You know, you want to have as little drama as, as possible. And and so you know, tech held up their end of the bargain. You know, it's going to be an interesting season, and and I've kind of alluded to it. And, and again, you know, you're going to have to tune in August 20th for my official prediction. But you know, I think this this uh, Texas Tech team can get themselves back to a bowl game. It's I mean, I think the the margin of error is going to be thin again this year, but they found a way last year uh, to get there, you know, but um I think you've got some talent on this team. It's it's still it, it's still going to take Joey McGuire a couple of years to completely reload, well, re- rebuild and and have more and more talent that's needed to be successful in the Big 12, and I don't think they're there yet. I don't think, and I will tell you this, as just a little bit of a, a kernel of, of preview for our, our, our college football preview show, I do think that Texas Tech is better than their predicted finish in the Big 12 preseason poll of ninth. Um, I do believe they're, they are better than a ninth-place uh, team in the Big 12. Um, you know, again, I'm I'm excited for the season. I think the coaching staff and the football program has really done everything right in this off season. Uh, you know, Joey McGuire has, has done what he's supposed to, I think, to re hype up this fan base. And you know that that had been a, that had been a big problem, even dating back to the Cliff, uh, the last few years of the, of Cliff Kingsbury's coaching tenure. Um, the, most Tech fans were very apathetic. You know, the and I would include myself, and 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 the attitude was, well, when does especially when basketball got good, when does basketball season start? And before that, you know, it was when does baseball season start? So, again, my I, I do I expect them to win a Big Twelve championship and win eight, you know, have eight nine wins this year? Not necessarily, um, but I do think you do have enough to go to a bowl game, and and there's nothing. So far in the off season and now here in the preseason, that makes me think otherwise. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun to watch and see what happens. Um, Texas Tech did get a huge commitment on Thursday night from Jordan Sanford, four-star defensive player out of Mansfield Timberview. And again, you know Joey McGuire keeps winning in this recruiting war. Um, as of right now, Tech is number 17 in the nation. And, you know, this is a, a program that, you know, under Matt Wells and Cliff Kingsbury, you know, like I said, it's not just Matt Wells' fault. Cliff didn't recruit very well either. You know, they were in the 60s and the 70s in recruiting. You know, Joey McGuire takes the job back in early November has about six weeks to recruit this last year's class and gets them up into the 40s. And, you know, yeah, it's ever-changing, and they may, you know, they may fall down and go down a little bit more. But, I mean, at 17 right now, and as far as the rankings, the last I saw um, in the Big 12, you know, Tech was number two. Um, only the University of Texas was ahead of them. Very, you know, very impressive, very impressive on the part of the staff and 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 to me this has been the weakness of Texas Tech football over especially the last two coaching tenures is their inability to recruit the state of Texas and you know I think that's why Joey McGuire was hired is because 
you know, Kirby Hocutt realized that for Texas Tech football to be successful, you had to have that influx of in-state talent from the high schools. And, and you had to rebuild the relationships with the high school football coaches in the state of Texas. And uh, Joey McGuire's done that, and, and it's paying dividends in this uh, recruiting class. And hopefully it will pay dividends on the field when these players hit the field in a couple of years. So uh, should be fun to watch, you know, and, you know, again, um, the NIL, NIL stuff, you know, tech continues to excel at that as well. And so, you know, the, I really truly think for the first time in over a decade, the football program, the, the future of the football program is bright and we may not see a lot of that on the field this year because, again, you know, it's going to take a while for Joey McGuire to get his recruits in. But, you know, I think you're going to see here's – a, here's a prediction, and again, I'm giving you another kernel of, of tease for my college football preview show. I think you're going to see Texas Tech beat a team that on paper they're not supposed to this year um and tune in august 20th and i'll tell you which which team i think it is but yeah um this is it's good i think it's gonna be a fun football season you know and i i think i think the fans overall have a very reasonable expectations you know i don't think fans really believe you know mcguire is going to win the big 12 in his first year um so you know i, I think th- i think it's going to be an exciting season um, for football and it's just gonna be interesting to watch um, you know who's gonna be the starting quarterback I think it's probably gonna be Tyler Shuck is the offensive line gonna be improved I think they will I think you know they made a terrific hire in Stephen Hamby what about the defense you know so, uh, what's Tim DeRuder's fingerprints on the defense gonna look like you know Zach Kitley what type of offense is this gonna look like so it's gonna be interesting um, obviously but yeah I, I do think that this team does have the talent to at least go back to a bowl game. So, again, little t- kernel of tease. I'll really flesh out my full thoughts on August 20th in our official Chris Carpenter Show college football preview show. So, um, conference realignment this week. There really wasn't a lot. There, there hasn't been a lot of news um, it's basically been Pac-12 um, writers chirping at the Big 12, and you know the big the big argument this week was about attendance, and you know the, the Pac-12 apologists were basically trying to say that the attendance at Pac-12 football games is better than the attendance at Big 12 football games. And they even tried to do the comparison, minus UT and OU versus minus USC and UCLA. And they were like, well, it's just a negligible, you know, difference of four to 5,000. You know, again, I think what slowly is starting to happen is Pac-12 teams are slowly starting to realize they're not going to be able to have as much money on TV money compared to the Big 12. And I think it's just going to take one program to pull the trigger and officially apply to the Big 12. And you're going to see, I think, the demise 
of the Pac-12. Now, is that going to be Arizona? Could be – again, and I've said this before on multiple podcasts, it, I think the two to really watch is Arizona and Colorado. I think Arizona, number one, would is, is the one that's most likely. Colorado would be the well, next most likely because I think they're – they're finally seeing the TV money isn't going to be there for the Pac-12. And, you know, the Big 12's holding out this lifeline. And so it's going to be interesting. I, I think it's also going to be interesting to see, you know, the Big 12. I, I, I certainly think we're going to start to see the beginnings of negotiations for the Big 12's next television deal. You know, there's been rumors about maybe a, a potential partnership with NBC, with Notre Dame. I, I'm intrigued by that. I think that would be a great deal for the Big 12 because, again, you know, you stay with ESPN or Fox, you're not their number one um, customer. You're not. You're not. You're not their number one. Uh, you, no matter what, your your number one at ESPN is going to be the SEC. Your number two is going to be the ACC. So. Big 12, the best you can do is you're, you'll be the number three option at ESPN. Um, at Fox, you know, the number one option is always going to be the Big 10. You'd be number two. Now, I'm not saying completely shut out ESPN and Fox. I think you can negotiate your second and third tier level um, games with them. But, you know, if you have an opportunity to get on NBC – and, you know, I think that that could be a great opportunity. Certainly CBS would be another great opportunity as well um, to end up on, you know, I, the Turner sports. I think that's going to be a non-starter. Um, you know, if you've been paying any attention to entertainment news this week, it seems like, you know, Discovery, which now owns Time Warner and, you know, the Turner sports uh, channels, TBS, TNT, they're in massive budget cutting mode. And I don't think they're going to want to take a step out on a limb and bid on college sports. So I think that's a non-starter. Amazon's going to continue to, I think, be the wild card. And I think they will pick up somebody's conference rights. And they will be, they will be airing college games, you know, in this next uh, television cycle. Um, because I, th- I think, you know, certainly with the NFL going to Amazon, I think they're going to want to have more live sports options. And so I think they're going to be another option as well. But that'll be interesting to watch and see. But, you know, again, it's this time right now with conference realignment, it's just rumors on top of rumors and people chirping at people on Twitter. And, you know, right now there's really no concrete news. I truly do think you will see – um at least a couple of Pac-12 teams bolt for the Big 12 um, because I just I, th- I think they realize that the money is not there in staying in the Pac-12. And, you know, plus Oregon and Washington, the first opportunity, especially Oregon, the first opportunity they get, they're going to jump to the Big 10. And so, you know, at this point, if you're in the Pac-12 right now, you are basically – in, a, in the same situation that the Big 12 has has been in the past decade where you're you're basically favoring Oregon and Washington just like the Big 12 basically favored Oklahoma and Texas 
And both of those programs were were always looking for a way out. And not a good situation. So, you know, if, I really do think you will see at least a couple of, of Pac-12 teams come to the Big 12. Arizona would be the, the one I'd put my money on to make the first leap. And then at that point, it will be interesting to see does the Big 12 feel like it's worth taking all four of the four corner schools or do they just take Arizona and one other school? I don't know, but it'd be interesting to see. So wait and see with the conference realignment. We'll continue to wait and see on it. So, all right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And then when I come back, it will be time for listener questions. And welcome back to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. It is now time for listener questions. And remember, there are two ways to ask questions. Number one is make sure you are following the official Twitter of the Chris Carpenter Show, which is at The C Carp Show. Also, follow the official TikTok of the Chris Carpenter Show, which is just, just simply the Chris Carpenter Show. Uh, you can ask questions on either of those platforms. I usually tweet um, a few hours before I record. You can reply to the tweet or direct message me, and I will get to your questions so long as they're appropriate. So we uh, did have a question on TikTok today about kind of my thoughts on the tech wide receiver core. Um, yeah, I think you know Miles Price obviously is uh, – I think he's the one that potentially could be the big step up, uh, uh, could take the Eric Ezekama role, the, uh, you know, the Antoine Wesley role. And, you know, this year, the, the big go-to receiver. I'm also very intrigued if finally, and this was promised by Matt Wells and it never really got delivered, but are we finally going to see a successful implementation of a tight end into the Texas Tech offense. We haven't seen that since pre, you know, Mike Leach. You know, you saw a little bit of it with Jay Samaro, um, but, you know, I'm intrigued by that. I think Tech's got um, obviously some really quality tight ends. Very interesting to see what that looks like. I think also, are we going to see some of the running backs that are there? Uh, Taj Brooks, Sir Roderick Thompson, Chidarius Townsend. Are we going to see them maybe play a little bit of a hybrid uh, wide receiver role. You know, they did that back with the back in the uh, 2007-2008 season with Ed Britton. You know, Ed Britton was a very successful running back um, out of out of Montwood in El Paso when uh, Texas Tech recruited him and then Ed Britton was really used more as a wide receiver um, for the Texas Tech offense. So, could we see that? But yeah, certainly um, I don't I don't think wide receiver Play is going to be um, one of the big potential challenges slash issues for this Texas Tech team. Um, you know, having the quarterback be able to get them the ball, that's going to be a big one. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who's going to be the starter. I think it's probably going to be Tyler Shuck. Um, but, you know, certainly, you know, Donovan Smith played really well down the stretch last year. And, you know, Baron Morton, very highly recruited already been one year in the system could trot him out as well but yeah i don't think wide receiver is going to be a problem for texas tech so good question from tiktok let's jump into our our twitter questions we've got 
Orenthal, and I'm really a little worried because Orenthal is in Petersburg this week, and so he's getting closer to me. I may need to make sure, check my doors are locked. But Orenthal asks, where do you see Tech football in the conference standings in two to three years? I'm really sold on this Joey McGuire hire. And because I'm sold on the Joey McGuire hire and because of conference realignment, I truly believe that Tech is going to be a consistent uh, finisher in the top half of the Big 12 standings. And I think in two to three years, certainly are going to have the opportunity to compete for a Big 12 championship. Um, absolutely. I think that's where they can be. And I think you you continue to see um, if, if, this, if this success in the recruiting translates to the field, there is absolutely no reason that this Texas Tech football team cannot be a consistent um, top half finisher in the Big 12 and contending for Big 12 championships. Now, again, make sure everyone hears me. I'm not saying for this year. Again, it was two to three years that Arenthal was asking about. And I, yeah, I think I think with everything that's being put in place, I think in two to three years, Texas Tech can contend for a Big 12 championship in football, which... You know, it's been since the 1970s since Texas Tech won a conference championship in football. And I, I, I really, I really truly think finally the pieces may be there for it to happen again. So good question to Arenthal. Hopefully you don't get nearer to my house next week because that would be kind of scary. <laughs> so next question, we've got Randy from Shallow Water. Now that Tuberville is tackling NIL in the U.S. Senate, is this another chance for him to screw over Tech Athletics? So just bring you up to speed on what Randy's talking about. Uh, Tuberville it was, I think, in an interview this week, um, talked about the fact that he is wanting to lead the charge in Congress to tackle the issue of NIL, name, image, and likeness, and basically to put in regulations from the government on the NIL system that's been in play. You should always, always, always be afraid and fearful when you hear the government wants to put in regulations because most of the time when the government puts on regulations for anything, it makes it worse, okay? Uh, Department of Education. Education's gotten worse since they put in that dumb department, okay? Uh, TSA. I I don't like getting groped, uh, you know, at the airport, but now we got to do it, you know? So that's number one. Number two, here's why Tuberville is gung-ho about this is because the NIL is leveling the playing field and Nick Saban and the rest of the SEC doesn't want that. Um, I saw um, a ranking system this week um, talking about the NIL and who's doing it best, who's pulling in uh, the most money. Texas Tech was number eight on that list. And guess who they, guess who they were ahead of? Alabama, University of Texas. Your blue blood powerhouses now don't have all the advantages that they did before. 
and you know this has been talked about you know the ryan heights radio shows talked about this gambling gaucho shout out to them have talked about this but there there has been a segment of texas tech fans that were kind of fearful of nil and that said oh it's the end for tech and i think what we're seeing is the opposite is Texas Tech can really thrive in this NIL system and your blue bloods, Alabama and all them, don't want to see that. And so, yeah, it's it, the first thing I saw when Tuberville was opening up his mouth about this was like, oh, he is, he, he is screwing Texas Tech again, you know. Uh, yeah, government doesn't need to get involved in the NIL. Capitalism should win the day and pure capitalism is very limited government interference. I teach this to my history students all the time and we don't need the government to start regulating the NIL. It doesn't need that. They will make it bad just like government makes everything bad when they start putting in regulations. So Tuberville, just go sit in the corner and, I don't know, eat Zaxby's, I guess. <laughs> so, good question from Randy. Um, we've got Vivian from Wolferth. Which surprise NFL teams will miss the playoffs this year? So, I'll give you – I gave you a little bit of, of a hint kernel for my official college football prediction show. I'll give you a little bit of a hint of kernel – with my uh, NFL prediction show coming up on Labor Day weekend. So kind of thinking through this question, I, I went division by division. So AFC West, I don't see any surprises there. I think the Chiefs, it'll be it'll be between the Chiefs and the Chargers. I think the Chiefs will make the playoffs. I think actually both will probably, probably make the playoffs. Um, so I don't think any surprises there. AFC North, I think by default, just based on to other teams, it's going to come down to the Bengals and Ravens. I suppose it could be a little bit of a surprise if the Bengals don't make the playoffs, and I think that is a possibility. But, you know, I think, again, it's the Super Bowl hangover curse. I don't think anybody would be that surprised by that if that happens. AFC South, um, I almost thought about saying, well, the Tennessee Titans not making the playoffs – I could see that happening because I'm not sold on, um, you know, A&M, A&M man there that's still there that they've been trying to unload. But the fact is, by default, the Titans are going to win because the Texans are a dumpster fire mess. The Jacksonville Jaguars always are a dumpster fire mess. And so you're telling me, an aging Matt Ryan is going to lead the Colts to AFC South. I just don't see that happening. AFC East, uh, I'm going to give you uh, what could potentially be surprise. I think the Patriots could be a team that misses the playoffs this year. I know Bill Belichick's talking up Mac Jones, but I'm still not sold on him. The Bills could potentially fall back down to earth as well. Um, so, but if I had to lean, I'd probably say Patriots missing the playoffs would be the surprise in the AFC. Let's talk NFC real quick. Um, NFC East, 
again, I think by default the Cowboys or Eagles probably win it, and they'll probably win it with a you know nine and eight record. I don't think any any of that would be a surprise. Um, NFC South, the Bucks again by default are probably going to win the NFC South because the Panthers are a dumpster fire, the Falcons are a dumpster fire, and the Saints don't have a quarterback. Yeah. No, I don't see any surprises there. NFC North, Packers, and three dumpster fires. No surprise there. NFC West um, is an interesting one to me. I could see the 49ers not making the playoffs. I'm not sold on Trey Lance as their new quarterback. I still don't think running off Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G, is a good idea. I could see them missing the playoffs. You know, so that would be my surprise team from the end. So my two surprise missed playoff teams could be the 49ers and the New England Patriots. So I may change my mind by, by Labor Day, but that's kind of where what I'm thinking right now. So good question uh, from Wolferth. We've got Mike from Arlington. Rank the NFC East coaches in order of annoyingness. So I'm going to have to look up who – the current Eagles and uh, Commanders, isn't that their name now? Commanders, um, head coaches, because I have no earthly idea. I would still say number one in annoyance is uh, McCarthy because, yeah, he's he's the Cowboys coach. I don't think he's particularly that good of a coach. And, yeah, I put him at number one in annoyance. Eagles is coached by Nick Surrey. Suriani, Nick Suriani. Um, yeah, I don't know who that is. And I misspoke, by the way. I, I do know who coaches the commanders. It's uh, Ron Rivera. I'd probably put him near the bottom. I think he's a great coach. I was really surprised he went to the commanders. Um, I, th- I thought he could get a better job, especially after you know he led the Panthers to a Super Bowl. So Nick Suriani, I'm going to put him probably third. And let's see who the Giants' head coach is. Behind the scenes of the Chris Carpenter Show. Uh, Brian DeBall. Okay, I think he was with uh, – he was an OC somewhere. I, I'll i put him at second, I guess. So I put McCarthy as the most annoying, and then uh, DeBall, the head coach of the Giants, second, third, Nick Sirianni. Um, of the Eagles, and then fourth, Ron Rivera. So we don't have a lot of remarkable coaches right now <laughs> in the NFC East. Part of it's your ownerships are terrible in the NFC East. But, yeah, that's where I would rank them. All right. We've got two more questions. We've got Greg from Hale Center, home of the Owls. Is the metaverse the future of education? So – Here's what I think he's asking about. So I had a question about the metaverse a few months ago, and I really had no idea what they were talking about. So meta, the metaverse is kind of this idea of – it's very similar to the – golly, that movie, the name of the movie. Oh, uh, no, I thought I had it. Never mind. There's a movie that came out and Ready, Ready Set – what was that name of that movie? It was. It came out ready, set, play, or ready. You know, I'm gonna look it up. But basically, the metaverse is this idea of, you know, we all have these avatars that basically 
we are in this cyber world and everything we do in this cyber world, um, it's like a second, kind of a second life type, type thing. Um, it was ready player one. So basically, you know, I'll have my real life, but, but the importance will be what I'm doing behind some sort of like my phone or some sort of VR type system. And I would, you know, attend school. I would go to parties. I would go on vacations through this like meta world. And there's been a lot of discussion about, well, that's the future of education, that kids will not go to physical schools and attend physical schools. They will all attend kind of in this metaverse type thing. I don't think that's necessarily the future. Um, One thing I think we learned during COVID is virtual learning is bad. It doesn't work. I can tell you as a teacher – I hated the virtual learning because the majority of the of students didn't do anything. They didn't even bother to log into computers. And I understand that. I'm not I'm not necessarily, I'm not blaming students for that. Um because it was kind of all hastily put together at the last minute. But I just I think you have to have a physical teacher and I think you have to have physical physically be there and 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 participate in your education. So I don't necessarily see that as the future of education. I'm sure there'll be a movement from some people to push for that. Here's something you'll learn about education if you're ever in it in any length of time is there's a lot of edu- quote unquote educational consultants that come around that never spend a day in the classroom, but they're pushing, hey, if you do my program, this is this is the magic pill that you can take to have great results on tests and students always engaged. I I kind of classify the metaverse stuff in that realm. So I don't see it as the future. Now will you see a lot more technology and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean three years ago I didn't have students in my classroom working on computers and Google Classroom and stuff like that. And now that's kind of how we how we present things, how we do curriculum. Um, but I think they still got to physically be in the classroom hearing from a physical teacher. So I don't necessarily see that as the future of education. I think it's a stopgap in a lot of ways for teacher shortage, but – Beyond that, I don't see that. I I think there will always be a physical need for physical teachers. So last question. Uh, Hey, I wonder what Brian this is. Brian from Fort Worth. If Texas Tech rebuilds to a national contender under McGuire, how intolerable will Tech fans become? Maybe it's that Bozo Brian coach from TCU that called uh, West Texas a desert. Well, Brian, for you, we're going to be intolerable no matter what. Um, Tech fans are very passionate, very rabid. We've seen that over the past, at least certainly this year, with you know everything that went down with the University of Texas basketball and Beard having to come back to Lubbock. 
I think we're going to see that this fall at TCU because Bozo Bryan from Fort Worth, Coach Bozo Bryan from Fort Worth, um, you know, stepped in it, stepped on a big landmine when he decided to, you know, call out Texas Tech and Lubbock and West Texas. And then their dopey athletic director, I think he stepped in it too when he basically admitted, yeah, we're going to prevent uh, Texas Tech fans from overrunning our stadium because we don't have enough TCU fans to fill up our stadium. So we're all, uh, Tech fans will always be intolerable. Um, now, will they get more intolerable if they win? Absolutely. Every fan base is, I mean, how many, let's go back 20 years ago. Well, let's go back 25 years ago. Were Patriot fans really that intolerable? Not really, because they weren't that successful. Uh, you know, we're trying to think of another fan base that they weren't good. Uh, were Alabama fans 25 years ago that intolerable? Not really, because they weren't that successful. Clemson fans 25 years ago, they weren't that intolerable. So, yeah, um, Tech fans will always have a an edge to them. If there's success on the football field, it will they will ratchet it up by 200 degrees. So get ready. And TCU, we're coming for the saddle, and we're going to fill up your stadium. Even though you have done all this rigmarole to prevent that from happening. So get ready. November 5th, it's going to happen. So good questions this week. We're going to take our break, and when we come back, it'll be time for the Chris Carpenter Tip of the Week. And welcome back to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. It's now time for the Chris Carpenter Tip of the Week. My Tip of the Week is all about patience. I'm going to give you a little bit of background on my story. So about three years ago, I had to have eye surgery. And let me tell you, here's a big, here's a, here's a bonus tip. Hope that you never have to have eye surgery because you're awake during the surgery and it's just not, it's not fun, but we don't always get to plan all of our medical procedures. So I had to have eye surgery, and before I had eye surgery, I, I had worn contacts for almost 20, well, over 20 years. I, I had got them when I was a freshman in high school, and, you know, I only wore my glasses at night, and it was just, that, that was who I was. I wore contacts. I loved it, you know, because I, uh, I have really beautiful blue eyes. I got them from my dad and my grandparents, and yeah, it's it's probably one of my best physical features and I love it. I'm proud to have blue eyes and you know, my dad had the best blue eyes. My grandpa, both my grandpas had great blue eyes too. We're, we're just, it's just, it's a great carpenter trait, but you know, I had to, I, I basically when I had this surgery, I mean, they cut into my eye and I never, I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to wear contacts again. And, you know, I ended up getting prescription sunglasses, was wearing glasses and it was tough. I'll be honest with you. I, I was very frustrated for sometimes, you know, that I didn't get to wear glass. I didn't get to wear my contacts. I had to hassle with glasses 
all the whole rigmarole. Well, I went to my eye specialist uh, a couple weeks ago, and he finally said, you can go back into contacts, you know, be careful, don't wear them as long as you, you know, don't wear them, you know, as long as you used to, because, you know, I would used to put them in, you know, in the morning, and I mean, I'd have them on for over 12 hours, you know, and I wasn't, I mean, I was careful, but, you know, when you've worn them for as long as I did, you just, you don't necessarily always buy the book, take care of them like you should. But um, anyway, this Thursday, this last Thursday, I went to the optometrist for the first time in three years, got fitted for a pair of contacts. And these past few days, I've been able to wear contacts for the first time in three years. And I'm being careful with them. I'm not wearing them long periods of time. I'm, you know, I've got my glasses with me and eye drops with me at all times just in case I need them. But it feels great to be back in contacts. I'll just be honest with you. And I bring up that story because our timing and God's timing is not always the same. I'll give you another example. Um, Teaching is not, it was not my first career. Um, I was in ministry and that was when I went to, when I went to college, that's what I thought I was going to do forever. And things, I'm not going to get into the whole dirty details, but it didn't work out. And I ended up having to transition to wanting to be a teacher and I had to go back and I had to pick up some extra classes, go get my certification, all that. It took me four years between my ministry job and my first teaching job where there were many times that I wondered, am I ever going to have a real job again? And, you know, for men, men especially, you know, women, maybe so. I'm not a woman, so I'm not a woman. So I can't believe I have to say that. Um, but I don't know their perspective. But as a man, you know, a lot of our self-worth is wrapped in our occupation and our job. And there were many times in that four-year stretch where I thought, am I ever going to have a real job again? Again, patience and my timing and God's timing, two completely different things. So, you know, some of you out there may be in a situation where you want something to happen or you want something to something to happen now and you're wondering why why am i having to wait again your timing and god's timing two completely different things and in the waiting don't dwell and focus on what you don't have but focus on what you do have and still enjoy life you know i just because I had glasses, just because I, you know, was in between careers, there had a lot of fun times during those time periods, and then you can too. So practice patience this week. So that is the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. Um, I am jumping back into school this week. Speaking of things, um, so we are gonna we are gonna have our regular recordings um, over the weekend. I'm hoping um, when the school year starts 
that every so often when news dictates, I may drop a midweek madness or a special episode. You know, I might might do like a prediction show for wrestling pay-per-view or movie reviews, things like that. Just uh, subscribe to the Chris Carpenter Show podcast feed wherever you get it, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I'm now available on Amazon Music. Um, subscribe to the feed and those you'll get those shows. But again, I will re- continue to record on the weekends, my regular episodes. Lo- I love doing this podcast and we're going to do, we're going to do some special type shows as well. I'm hoping. And in this coming school year as well. Um, but I will see you next week for the Chris Carpenter show.